0: This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 28. Today, my mind is totally blown while I interview Jess Lively of The Lively Show. Join us as we talk all about Jess's adventures, her current nomad lifestyle, and how she learned to truly get in tune with her intuition and listen to her gut. Trust me, guys, this episode absolutely changed my life, and I think it might do the same for yours. You're listening to The Goal Digger Podcast with Jenna Kutcher, the live workshop-style business podcast for creative girl bosses, so you can train from the experts how to dig in, do the work, and tackle your goals along the way. Here's your host, photographer, educator, artist, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. This episode of the Gold Digger podcast is sponsored by HoneyBook. HoneyBook is the management software that I use to stay organized, manage invoices, get paid, and give every client an elevated, unforgettable experience. HoneyBook is offering 20% off exclusively for Gold Digger listeners. Just go to honeybook.com slash gold digger to get started and get your life back today. Hey friends, welcome to today's episode. Today I have Jess Lively, the incredible host of The Lively Show and an educator of life with intention and flow with intention. And Jess and I have been connected for a few years through mutual friends, but our paths just officially crossed before we hopped on today. And she is just one of the most incredible, inspiring women that I know. And I've listened to her podcast. This girl is chasing her own path, and so I'm so excited to introduce, hello Jess. Hi, thanks for having me. Welcome, and why don't we just kick it off, tell everyone kind of where you're at, what you're doing, how you got here. (laughs) Jess is one of the most incredibly interesting people we will ever have on this show, and we were just chatting about all the directions this episode could go, so who knows where we'll be 40 (laughs) minutes from now, but I can only imagine it's going to be good. I think
1: we're going to be on Pluto by the time, (laughs) knowing me and where my head's Uh, been at lately in quantum physics. So, okay, I can say that I grew up in Michigan, I started a jewelry business when I was 15, And took that full time. I did it in high school, took it full time after business school, being pretty miserable in business school was like, there's got to be a better way to live life than just chasing all the shiny pennies of achievements and outcomes. Cause I had started that path and was like, this isn't making me happy or fulfilled. There's got to be another way. Decided to take the business full time and moved to Chicago with like 700 bucks that I had made and saved from the business while I was doing it in college set up shop, did it for five years. People may know it as Jess LC in the audience and then did some business coaching for a while as I started blogging and helping people with that whole other way of approaching life thing. And now years later, I have the podcast and my classes actually teaching that approach to life. I have transformed my own life in many, many wonderful ways and also help hundreds of thousands of people around the world do the same through the
0: show and through the class. So Jess is incredible. I mean, you're incredible for many, many reasons. But I think what I love the most about you is that I really believe you are unapologetically you. And Jess was the inspiration behind the episode that we did the 10 things I'm afraid to tell you. And Jess, we talk about you in that show. But what I love about your approach is that you're sharing really? I mean, while you're doing life and you've been doing some incredible things. So just tell us about the last few months of your life and what they've looked like for you.
1: Yeah, it's very different. So I, if you want to look at the personal side of that whole journey that I just shared professionally, I was in a relationship out of the end of my college years into my mid twenties was single for eight weeks, then started dating someone who became my husband. We were together for five total years, married for three. And then last, so like, what was this? now the years are getting a little. So like November of 2015, in September, we decided to lovingly uncouple, I guess would be the term. Cause I really don't look at it as a breakup. Like he's still a wonderful part of my life. So it's not a breakup in the way most people like have that negativity towards it. It was a really positive evolution and a new chapter for us. So once that happened, I stayed in Michigan. We had bought this house to have this whole typical kind of what I expected I wanted my life to be like with a big house, and an addition, kids and all that stuff. Instead, I was in this little house thinking, all right, now I'm single at 31. (laughs) What am I going to do now? Like I'm happy. I was happier than ever in my life. And that was a really positive unfolding as well. And things just kept getting better and better from there, which I think is huge and amazing that something like that can come from a beautiful place rather than a not so beautiful place. And it thinks it can get even better and better and better. So as it was getting all that good stuff flowing, I decided to take a trip to Europe in May of 2016. And one week before I left, someone called that knew that I was leaving and she was a real estate agent. And I was not selling the house or anything at the time, but she was like, Hey, I know someone that wants to buy your house And I was like, no, I'm leaving next week for Europe. I can't do that. And one thing led to another. And it flowed with this insane amount of grace and fluidity that basically she bought my house and all my furniture uh, the day before I left. And then I went to Europe. So I've been traveling the world since May of 2015 full time. Right now I'm in Australia at the moment.
0: That's insane. So what has life looked like on the road? And also, I have to assume that in selling your house and your possession so quickly, you really had to decide what materialism things were important to take with you and what things to let go of.
1: Yeah. So I have been, so my blog for all those years that I was blogging, it was originally it was called make under my life. So I was always talking about exfoliating was the term I used for letting go of things. It's kind of like a Marie Kondo, but not nearly as famous. (laughs) And I was very into interior design. So I like love interior design. My home has been over since I was 25. I've been toured on like brew magazine. I don't know, style me pretty living all that. Like the Nate Berkus show, I did a lot. I was the home girl. Like this is why me living out of a carry on suitcase now is, like who the heck? Ironic is this person. Like this is, I sometimes still. I will make myself laugh so hard, realizing like, who am I? Like this is so not who I who I was. Like, and it's so fun to just go. You have no idea who you are because you don't even know what's going to happen next. I'm really just flowing with what life is unfolding for me. And I've totally lost the point of your question. So wait, oh, how, what, what's important to me? So yeah. when I, I sold her everything. I just, you know, because I had gone through the breakup, I, I mean, I didn't sell her my toothbrush, you know, my shoes I put in the basement. I was like, you got to let me leave my clothes in the basement that I can't <laughs> carry with me in my carry on suitcase. So she did let me do that. And then actually I came back three months later and sold my car. Cause I didn't have time to deal with that the day before I left. And, I went through the stuff that I had put in the basement and had decided like personal effects, basically like pictures of my grandpa or Mm -hmm. my clothes that I couldn't carry with me for that trip. I looked at it and anything I, I like straight up Marie Kondoed, Like if I, would I bring this to London? Cause I don't know where I'm going to live next, but I have a feeling it's very likely it could be abroad and do I want to ship this stuff? And as I lived with basically a carry-on suitcase, a backpack and a duffel bag of stuff, cause that's all I can carry up four flights of stairs in Paris, basically. So if oh I can't my... carry it, I'm not going to bring it. So everything I buy a lot of jewelry now because it's really lightweight and easy to carry. That's kind of my, my purchase as I travel. Cause otherwise everything is about weight for me more than anything. And I just, for in part, like the things that brought me joy that I wanted to keep were things from my grandparents or like a few things from my parents. And then pretty much that's it. Anything from my past with my relationship, ironically, or not even ironically, interestingly, I didn't really want that for my next phase with my next family that I have Mm -hmm. in the future. None of that stuff really seemed to resonate for me. So it didn't, you know, some people might say, Oh my gosh, I could never do that. Well, that's great for you. And this is what was great for me. So it really was just finding what's bringing me joy? And would I bring it to London if that's where I lived? Or would I bring it to Australia? if This is where I live.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. And I think too, there's a lot of symbolism in between like what you can carry on your back and what kind of things you have in your life. And really looking at it from a place of do I want to carry this with me? And I think I mean, I did a capsule wardrobe a year ago and I was just messaging someone today saying, I need to do it again because now I just have so much stuff and I still look into my closet and I feel like there's nothing to wear. And it's like, obviously I have a surplus of things and none of it is quite right for where I am in my life. And I feel like, in your transition, you realize some of the things that you had been doing or goals you thought you would accomplish changed. So talk a little bit about the transformation, not just traveling, but in your business, in your heart, in your mind, like where you're headed now and where you thought you maybe were going.
1: Oh, well, before the trip, I thought, well, okay. So really there's kind of like, there's two phases here. There was where I thought my life was going before the breakup, <laughs> which was kids' yep. house and all of that stuff that I just, I thought I genuinely wanted, I don't know how much of it was societally Induced wanting or if it was genuinely me. I do think it was genuinely me, but I think I genuinely absorbed society's wants. (laughs) So especially since I've been traveling the world so much, I've been able to see so many other ways of living in other cultures. So America specifically compared to Europe or Australia or a lot of places tends to get married younger and have children sooner than a lot of people outside of those places in. You know, and then Africa is like the opposite of that. So, you know, it's all over the board, but compared to Australia or Europe, the U S tends to get married a little sooner and have more of those American dreams of the house and the kids and stuff. I think I had it and that I thought my path was heading in that direction. I think I'll still have that stuff just later in life and maybe not in the U S and, and in a different context. Once the offer to buy the house happened, that was a huge shift professionally. So when that happened i had no idea i still have no idea where i'm going to live and that was a mind bending thing to (laughs) wrap my head around and actually there's a vlog that we filmed so my videographer happened to be at the house that week this is of course Glow, right like she happened to be there because we were filming some stuff about candle making and macaroon making And the house tour. Well, we filmed the house tour, finished the house, got it perfectly set up, and then a half hour after that video was shot, the woman came to buy the house. Basically, it was an unintentional open house (laughs) for this person. She's like, I'll take it. (laughs) So it was this really weird moment of like, here's, I finally decorated it and got it perfect, and now I'm selling it a half hour later. And, I'm starting over and I not knowing what was coming next and where I was going to live next was really emotional. So if you want to see how I actually processed it in the, that moment, you can go to my website and see that. So it's not like now I feel like a different person than that girl. When I watched that video, I'm mm-hmm. like, Oh my gosh, look how scared she is. Look how, how nervous she is. Look how uncertain she is about the future. That turning point for me was I'm very intuition led. I've been talking about this for years. It's my number one underpinning of everything that I do and teach because to me, it is the bedrock of everything going well in our lives or not is how much we're in alignment with our intuition. So I've always kind of had this inkling or indication of where my vision, my, at least like conscious, potentially ego driven vision is for what I want. That was a moment where I had no idea why it was happening and I had no idea what I wanted to come from it. I just knew This is something my intuition is telling me yes to, but I have no idea where it's leading. So I've been basically walking. This is kind of the way to describe it is in the fog. So I can see like 60 feet ahead of me, but I have no idea what the 70th foot looks like. And I've just learned to, I don't even know where I'm going to be next week. I think I'm going to be in Sydney more, but I might just, I might go to Melbourne. I might, I don't have no idea. Like I don't have a plan for the rest of this year at all. I have a few mm-hmm. places I need to be, but otherwise I've learned how to allow things to unfold in their perfect timing in a way. And that has also played out in my business. So I don't know where the business is going. I allow it to unfold mm-hmm. in perfect timing. And as I've gotten better at that, the timing and synchronicity of things is truly incredible. So it's changed my life personally and professionally in every way possible.
0: So I'm curious, what kind of advice would you give to entrepreneurs? What do you see newer entrepreneurs doing? Like for me, what's coming to mind is how everything seems to have a plan or a map or some sort of destination A, B, C, and D in order to be successful. And what would your advice be for an entrepreneur when it comes to following their intuition and how to do that in a world that seems so loud? Oh, that's such a great question. I really like that you asked that. So I just, I've been getting a lot
1: of emails lately and it's impossible for me to keep focusing on the research I'm doing at the same time of answering them all. But someone recently asked, and I was like, surprised. She almost asked it to me a little bit because I was like, yeah. you, I thought she would guess what my answer will be. So I'll tell you what it is here. <laughs> she asked me whether or not she has this idea to start a blog and she goes, is blogging dead? I don't know. And I'd love to hear if you think she's like, I think maybe it's going videos and podcasts. I don't know if I should start there. So if it's worth it, I'd love to hear thoughts. And I, my first inclination is like, it, does not matter one iota where blogging is going. Mm -hmm. Nothing is important or worth or not worth doing from an external expectation standpoint. If your intuition is calling you towards doing that, you should do it. If it's not, you should not. There's no question of like, what is the trends in the society? So as you're saying on these roadmaps, what people are really trying to do is eliminate or they're thinking there's this facade of the elimination of uncertainty, with Mm -hmm. that. So they feel like they're safer to take steps if they follow the footsteps of another. But what they're doing is ignoring the guidance that's actually going to take them to where they want to go most deeply and truly in the first place. Does that make sense? So they're trying to follow what works for someone else when they're completely ignoring the source that's going to actually make them sink or swim, no matter how well they implement that plan or not.
0: I love that. And I think that Even thinking in my own life, like I call it my gut game, which is very similar in just your gut knows like, you know, the answer to most of your questions without having to search Google or ask, you know, your friends or your audience, I feel like deep down a lot of times we know what is right and what is wrong or which direction to go or which thing to shy away from. And I think that nowadays with so much immediate gratification on social media and all of the platforms that we're on, I think that we've forgotten to listen to that voice. Do you agree? 100%. And that's
1: like my whole show, if you listen to it, is
0: about how to do the
1: internal, right? It's how to do this because we aren't taught from a young age. Actually, we're taught the opposite. We're taught to look outside of ourselves for answers. We're taught to look to adults and to experts and to external expectations of others for guidance. And that is the opposite of where guidance actually lives the internal. So I always talk about on my show, internal alignment over external expectations. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we're just not taught it from a young age. So I'm actually working a lot with my audience and with the people in my classes, especially those that are mothers to talk about how people can start to prepare their children from a young age to be able to do this so they're not this disadvantage that many of us are in older periods because we're just learning to do this for the first time. It's We get trained out of it, and hopefully I'm hoping that people will learn to instill that and maintain and develop and hone that for their children so they're not having to have the same disadvantages of learning this much later in life.
0: So what would your advice be then to how to kind of quiet the loudness or the clutter of what, I mean, we're just bombarded by a million different directions and a million different ideas and things. What would your advice be to quiet that so that you can really get back to listening to your gut game or your intuition?
1: So what ends up happening is I always tell them my strongest way of doing this is writing to my intuition. And I've I'm writing a book on it. Actually, by the time this episode comes out, this may or may not already be done. So awesome. check it out on my site if it's there yet or if it's not. I have no deadline, so who knows when it'll be out. It'll be out when it's <laughs> out. But I can say that that is the most fluent way, at least for me personally, to hear and converse with that point of view, that perspective within me. So writing to your intuition is really powerful. However, people that try it sometimes will say, Hey Jess, I'm not sure if I really heard from my intuition or if it was just my ego talking, how do I know? And in that case, they need to develop the awareness. So awareness is kind of your noticer. It's the part of you that's able to learn in time. If you may not even have this awareness yet right now, you may be so attached to the ego's voice. You may not even be at the point of being aware and being able to step out of that voice and observe the voice. So that ability to step out of your thoughts and watch them, that's what meditation is all about. That's why it's so popular right now. And it is really powerful. It's not about sitting there. So you, I don't know, Follow the Joneses on Instagram that are meditating right now and doing headspace like everyone else. (laughs) It's not about doing it because Marie Forleo does it. It's about doing it so that you can step out and watch that voice. And as you become very familiar with the ego's voice, then when you do this writing exercise or you just ask a question internally or something from within you, has this inkling, you're going to notice the difference of the quality of the other not ego part. And that's when you're going to start to be able to pull apart the two voices and tell the difference between them. So if you're totally tied to the ego's thoughts of what it once thinks and feels all the time, and you really think you are believing all the things that you think all the time, and that's really true for you, your awareness is not developed enough to recognize that there is another contrasting point of view within you. It's so soft and subtle often because the ego is so loud and ever present when you don't have awareness. But as you can step away and start to observe for a while, you're just going to observe the ego going on 24 seven and Lamont calls it radio station KFKD. <laughs> as you get used to that one, eventually something else is going to pop up and you're going to go, whoa, that felt different, that had a different quality to it, that had a different point of view or feeling or take on the situation my ego feels X about. And when you get that, that awareness is going to help you hone in and listen to the intuition. The intuition's there. It's just the awareness is often not developed enough to differentiate it from the ego or even ask the questions in the first place.
0: That's really, really eye-opening. And it leaves me with a million questions, but in a good way. Okay. So what does your work day or work life, I should say, because I don't think you really have work days any longer. What does that look like compared to when you were living your almost, almost your past life, but not really, but your life before all I like the change. That. Actually, I want to talk, guys, like, I might adopt that, Jenna. Thank you. Yes. Anytime.
1: thank you. My past life. Like that's really what it feels like. So in my past life, I think okay, so up to the point of leaving in May, things were roughly the same in terms of the business, right? So I had the show six episodes a month, and I had my class twice a year and some other projects. And my team was roughly the same size. So eight to nine people on the team. So With that, in May, what that looked like for me was in the typical way of approaching life too, by the way. So this is before I started realizing the power of energy flow and frequency and quantum mechanics in our lives, which has also shifted why I do things differently now, but before I think I kind of followed, just like I said, I had those internalized external expectations, right? So I used to want the house and the kids and the American dream. And I did want that. Like I wanted it, but I had seen it around so commonly, I was like, Oh, that looks great. Let me do that too. Well, I think I had the same kind of thing with career. I saw people working roughly nine to five, but they had their own business. So I did the same. I stayed when I was working. I do a massive amount of research for my podcast guests. I would do the podcast and I would stay like tied to my email. I would say probably a lot too was most Mm -hmm. of what I spent my time on now, since I've been traveling and as I've made this new shift from the traditional, or I call it like classical physics versus quantum mechanics. So classical physics is the physics that's like Newtonian. So when you throw a ball, the arc is this way and things unfold in the physical world according to classical physics. But when you get down to the quantum level of physics, which is the atomic and the subatomic particles and level of that, the rules of physics change dramatically. And what I've done in 12 years of studying all this personal development stuff, I finally got into that deep, deep down, like that, you know, the keep microscoping in. And when you get down to that level, I've realized that energy and frequency is the whole game. So I've shifted my whole lifestyle and career to suit that. So I spend right now, my current thing, and I've, I would say over this trip, I would work two to four hours a day, maybe some days none. And it was not, yeah, very little compared to before. And at the same time I say that I was spending two to five hours working on my frequency and understanding all of this stuff that I'm teaching now. And that does impact my show. So you could say that I'm still working, but I have, do I feel like I'm working at all? No, because I actually would be doing this even if I didn't have to make money whatsoever. So I will be doing all that frequency stuff because it's so powerful to directly affect the quality of every moment of my life. So what I do it is the thing that makes my life great. So That's like saying I wouldn't eat, you know, of course you're going to eat because that's how you survive. Well, it's like, this is making my life like incredibly awesome. So it does not matter whether it's work related or not. It happens to affect my work, but I don't even see it as work at all. I would do it either way. However, it's great that it does benefit it. So yeah, I work like not that much. I now spend up till 2 PM right now. Like I don't set an alarm. I wake up I start to do my research and get into alignment and do things that make me really joyful until around two to three. And then I do two hours of work and I stop working. That's my life right now.
0: Awesome. It's funny because today my husband and I were having a conversation and he just started his own business, left his nine to five. So yesterday was our first day at home working together. And it was funny because this morning we woke up, we set an alarm for 7am and we were both like grumbling about it. And I'm like, what are we doing? Like, what would it look like if we just woke up when we naturally woke up and were rested and then got to work? And it's funny because I think we've had such a schedule with his normal nine to five job where, you know, we get out together, do the things together. But I'm like, man, I feel like I would feel more rested during the day. I feel like I would probably get more work done. I wouldn't need to take a nap midday. And so we're already starting to just kind of stop with, you know, stop with the routines that are unnecessary or that aren't serving us anymore and start to really just take a step back and say, like, what does our schedule actually like, I guess not even a schedule. How do we work best? How do we feel best? When are we doing our best work and listening to that more so than trying to cram a traditional schedule with an untraditional job?
1: Yes. Yeah, so, what I love about that is what you're essentially saying, if I was to translate it to my point of view or my frameworks here, it would be that you're realizing that your frequency, which is your emotional state, That's what I just did an episode. If You can link to this if you want. So you people. Yeah, of course. But I just did an episode that aired today as we're speaking. That's about quantum mechanics and the rules of quantum mechanics and how Einstein's photoelectric effect and his Nobel Prize in 1921 for that paper wrote in 1905 about how electrons move in a current prove that it's not how hard we work. It's the frequency of our emotional state that creates the outcomes in our lives. If you want to hear the science behind that, we'll link that in the show notes so you can hear the science. But what you're saying is, yeah, why are we doing this? I would get so much more done. I'd be in such a better mood. My life would flow so much better if I took this arbitrary structure out of the equation, my frequency would go up. And if your frequency goes up, that's when everything works. You don't actually have to leverage your intensity. That's why, by the way, when I said my work schedule changed so much, my business has doubled. So I don't have, and I have no goals. I know you have this called the gold digger podcast. was like, what am I going to talk about? I have no goals. I'm actually like (laughs) far more successful in overshooting any goals I would have had by doing this frequency work because this is the science of quantum mechanics this is the game changing splitting the atom atom bomb is far more powerful than using the physical bombs in the classical physics you know at the you know you can like have a starship destroyer i saw that in the the ocean here in australia this like battleship and that's i was amazing. like wow you know if that look like, that used to protect a city and i was thinking how funny is that that's so dinky compared to an atom bomb like now that doesn't even matter like that little ship is like It's a play toy compared to the (laughs) atom bomb, right? So this is what's, so what I've learned after 12 years of this stuff is that if you're doing all the things that are taught in the classical physics world, and I'm calling it classical personal development, like work hard, hustle and all that stuff. If you're doing that and you're not realizing the pieces at play in the quantum level, which is our, your thoughts and our emotions, that's the atom bomb. So that's the difference is when you learn how to tap into the frequency and energy stuff and understand the principles that underpin the physical reality, you change the game so dramatically, nothing looks the same because they don't work the same. They're totally different rules. And what's happened is just, we haven't had the consciousness and awareness of the smaller side of things to truly hone and harness it. So we're sometimes stumbling upon it, but often not. And we're trying much harder than we need to.
0: Jess, you are so interesting. I like, I feel like we're sitting across the table, like drinking coffee and I'm just slamming my coffee and like filling it back up because I'm like, give me more. So here's a good question for you. And this is something I've struggled with forever. And I've realized that it is something that makes me very successful on society standards, but it also is a detriment to just my everyday is, I feel like I have a very noisy brain. I feel like I get so many ideas and I absolutely love what I do. Like I would work seven days a week if I didn't want to have anything resembling a real life or a normal life. But how do you start to just slow your brain down? Because I've tried meditation. I've tried yoga. During yoga, I'm like thinking about lunch or like my old gymnastics days and how I'm not as flexible What are some practices that are just easy to start slowing things down for you?
1: Okay. That was great. I'm glad you gave me some detail there because there's two pieces of what you shared. So one was you said, I love what I do. I have so many ideas. Okay. So that thought lights you up and brings your frequency higher. Okay. Emotional frequency. Let's imagine it's a scale. Okay, So when you said that stuff, I'm, my first thought was going to have a different answer to how you then followed up with, when I'm in yoga, I'm thinking about lunch and I'm thinking about not being as flexible. Okay, So those yep. elements are bringing you down on the frequency. That's dragging your emotional state down. So saying that you have a cluttered brain is really accurate because it's a mix, right? And most people mm-hmm. are living life by default. So they have this mix that you're talking about. So they're a mix of vibrations. They're a mix of frequencies. And so when you have that, when it comes to this quantum stuff I'm talking about, it's very hard to see the results of it because there's a mix of emotions, right? So some are canceling others out. So you might get some momentum and then others won't. So then you'll say what I'm talking about sounds crazy and doesn't work in your life. It's not that it doesn't work. It's that there's, this is, I'm not going to get into the details, but interference waves, Will cancel mm-hmm. out particle stuff. So let me just say that like your high frequency thoughts are really good. But we want to continue to encourage those. The yeah. low frequency are the things that are canceling out often those high things, and those are the elements that you want to learn to adapt and over time either let them go, let them drop away because they're not serving any purpose, or elevate them to the consciousness of your intuition. So your intuition always feels love and peace in the present moment because that's the energy it's at. So that's why I love writing to it. Because when I do that, I get all of the perspective that my ego doesn't have about that situation. That's why I'm writing. I'm writing to my intuition because where I'm consciously at, my awareness is at the level of the ego, not the intuition. So when I write that question and I get an answer from my intuition, I'm able to tap into that emotional standpoint, that frequency of the intuition. And once I have that awareness of what that thought has for me, what that perspective has, I'm able to act on that. And my outcomes are from that frequency, which are good. Those are the things that are ease and filled and flowing. So for you, so you said meditation's not great. It's not the easiest I just thing need to for you. get
0: more in the practice of it. I feel like my mind wanders and I recognize that it's wandering and I try to pull it back, but then it's like, I'm just has never become part of my routine. And I think even listening to your one podcast where you're like, I just kept going and doing it and recognizing and, but you spend most of your time just trying to get to that place Every day, right? Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I spend
1: like five hours before. I it takes me till three to really feel like I got a great momentum going. But then once I have that momentum, those two hours I'm doing work, it's the atom bomb. Okay, so like most people are lobbing cannonballs from their 1800s ship, right? And they're like, oh my god, I just like if I shoot seventy million cannonballs, I get this result. Well, what I'm realizing is, oh my god, if I just spend five hours getting to great frequency. I only have to spend two hours and I can get 10 times the result they're getting
0: because that makes perfect sense to me. And it's kind of like the analogy, especially as somebody who loves home decor of that, you get the most cleaning done in the 20 minutes before somebody shows up at your house. Like (laughs) when you are having a goal and you have a deadline and you really want it to be right. I feel like in that sense of if you're waiting until you're really ready and in the right headspace, and I mean, I'm sure this has really made you assess what's important to be working on in your business too, right? Yeah. So I don't take
1: nearly as much action. And like I said, I doubled my business I took Mm -hmm. less action than ever. Like, it's so funny. We have no deadlines. I've been pushing off this book thing because I keep going with what's flowing. And right now it's flowing. is quantum mechanics and research, which is wonderful because it's going into my class flow with intention, which as this will air is actually wrapping up, I think for this round of the class right around now. So What's interesting is I had this more aggressive kind of plan. I had a lot, like you said earlier, I had a lot of ideas that were really driven from like serving my audience. It came from this wonderful place. It was no like ego, but then I also, am not willing to sacrifice alignment for the output. So I have these great ideas, but I am unwilling to sacrifice my frequency for it, So if I will get done what I can get done within the frequency I have and the time allotted to that frequency. And the minute something starts to feel hard, I stop working. That's going to blow 75 people's minds right now. Like they're going to be like, <laughs> what, how many times have you heard entrepreneurs have to keep pushing, push, 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 yep. push, push. Go listen to that quantum mechanics episode about frequency and intensity. And it will literally show you how, if your frequency is not high enough, no output that you want is going to happen. It's physics. It doesn't move. The current only moves when your frequency is high. Now, what's interesting about that is that a lot of people value hard work. So as they see themselves working hard, their frequency, their emotions get higher because they kind of pat themselves on the back about the hard work, which makes them feel good. So then they get results and they blame the hard work when really it was their good feeling about the hard work that was the leverage point for them. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. What really stood out to me there and what I teach in the whole podcast is I hate the word hustle. I really do. I hate teaching people to keep hustling because I don't When I worked from a place of hustle, I was anxious, I was stressed, I was burnt out. And when I finally worked from a place of rest, that was when I was like creative again and inspired and excited and lit up about the stuff I was doing and exploring. And nowadays, I look at everything as an experiment because there's no success or failure. There's just results that you can move with. Can I also
1: did. You chose to stop focusing on your intensity and you focused on your frequency. This is what I'm saying too. You you just did it. You did it without, you don't have to actually know all these principles by the way, right? Like I'm sitting here. I think you and I are,
0: yes. I listened to your episode with Aaron Lochner, the one where you were going through your terminologies. And I was like, this makes sense because I feel like we do work in a similar headspace. And even this year, I'm just freeing up time. And I'm not saying it's a sabbatical in the sense of I have to rest. I'm just saying, I'm giving myself space to choose what I want to do during that time. So I'm not booking a single phone call, or anything like that, because I want to see what it is I feel like doing because I don't even know what that looks like anymore. Because I've been working in such a traditional setting for so long, and so I'm I'm anxious to see how I feel or what I feel compelled to do. But I think it's so interesting how you're talking about alignment and intuition and all that. What I'm curious mostly about is what does it look like for you in terms of getting aligned for the day? I imagine you laying down with like candles all around <laughs> you, and I know that that's probably I'm not. Accurate. Eyes or my own funeral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is.
1: Well, I do start with 15 minutes of meditation in the morning. And by okay. the way, I was going to tell you about the meditation thing uh, to go back to your question. Cause I don't think yeah. I fully really addressed like, how do I deal with the thoughts in my head? Okay. So like I said earlier, don't focus that much on deleting the positive. If something is okay. lighting you up, focus on the mood of the things that you're having, the thoughts you're having that bring you higher on the emotional scale. Those are great. That's bringing your frequency up. And this is Mm -hmm. not just about work, by the way. Your frequency is like how your relationships go, how like the person at the coffee shop treats you (laughs) Mm -hmm. is in part a function of your own frequency because the law of attraction is literally like the like attracts like. So things of vibrational frequency are attracted to one another. So if you're in a crappy mood in the beginning of the day, it will usually get worse. If you're in a good mood at the beginning of the day, it will usually get better. The momentum builds either way based on the frequency that you're able to maintain But here's the thing. Most people are doing this by default. They wait for something to trigger an emotion and then they follow whatever happens.
0: That's like mind-boggling right there. That's so true. You
1: wake up and you go, is this a good email or a bad email in my inbox? Is this a good Instagram post or a bad Instagram (laughs) post? Basically, people are living life by default. They're waiting for some stimulus in their lives to trigger an emotion. And that emotion, that frequency is what's going to create the rest of the attraction to them in that day. And what I do is like you said, and you're curious and I'll get into it, but it's like, I decide what I want my frequency to be as much as I possibly can. And therefore I get ahead of the stuff impacting
0: my mood. So then my mood impacts
1: the stuff that happens to me. Does that make sense?
0: Oh, it makes incredible sense. And it's funny because my husband is, he sometimes can, be a glass half empty kind of person. And I am a glass half full and I'm a big energy person. So I feel like, just like you said, like I am very attracted to energy and I am highly empathetic sometimes to a fault. And so sometimes I will pull people's energy or try to meet them where they are instead of you know, rocking my own energy. And so if like Drew's in a bad mood, I'm like, dude, you got to snap out of this. Cause you're pulling me down. Okay. Yeah. Let's go. get into that. Okay. Yeah.
1: Cause this is something that's coming up for, you know, I, maybe I should do an episode on this. So this may be an episode of the show. Uh, thank you for the inspiration. So yes. people have been telling me this, like, Oh, my coworkers are a drag or whatever, or this empath thing. Okay. Yes. I don't know the whole idea of the empath. So I can't speak to a knowledgeable point around that, but here's what I can say. Principally speaking, when you're saying that, Jenna, you're actually probably, here's my guess, and I love you, okay? So this is not yeah. about you. This is just knowing the way the ego works in my own brain and everyone else's. <laughs> I'm, I'm all in Part of you that says, there's a part of your ego or anyone's ego that's like, I'm a really sensitive person. I'm so great at intuiting what people think. And that's not it. This could be a fact, right? This isn't to say that that's not true, but the yeah. ego can get this identity around it and it feels good about it. But then Mm -hmm. what's really actually, so it kind of feels like it's kind of got a little identity there. It's kind of like a little perk of you or whatever. But really what we're saying is that their energy is stronger than my own point of attraction. I am Mm -hmm. not strong enough to curate my own point of attraction. That's
0: Awesome. <laughs>
1: right? Does that just shut up the ego and go, okay, now I actually want to change that? Like when you say, Oh, you know, husband, I gotta you gotta change because you're gonna impact me, what you're saying is your energy is stronger than my own. hmm And that's
0: and 20. I think you're that's at a so total disadvantage. Interesting.
1: Right? Like you're you're disempowering. Right. And yourself. I think I
0: just have to trust my own energy more yes. than trusting or trying to meet people at where they are. And I think that that is something that's so hard as someone that is looked on to as a leader or something, because you know how it goes. Your inbox is flooded every day with people who need something from you. And I'm learning to, you know, create things like the podcast where I can direct you to an episode without feeling like I need to meet you where you are and give you answers. Because like you said, a lot of times the answers are within and sometimes the questions you're asking. And you don't
1: want yeah, to meet go. them where they are. Why would right. you ever want to meet someone at a low frequency? Amen. Why would you <laughs> want to they're not even asking you to do that? They actually want to help they want you to help raise their frequency. Use yeah. the frequency high is what they're coming for. Your husband, okay, let's go to the husband thing, because that's a yeah. really, really <laughs> good analogy, okay? So when that is happening, he's in a bad mood. I would get up, first of all, and I haven't even answered your question about how I focus on the alignment, but (laughs) focusing on your alignment before you even get into the day and setting your frequency deliberately, your energy or emotion deliberately at the beginning, will actually change your experience of the day. So maybe if he's in that bad mood, you're not going to interact with him that much. Maybe he'll leave early for work or you will have a call that takes you away from him in the bad mood. Or even if you're somewhat aware of it, if you selectively focus and just stay away from him for a while, like just don't be around him when he's in a bad mood, he will eventually flow out of it. Or when he's around you, your energy may be strong enough to lift his. It's not that you're trying to force it. You can't. He has to choose to move his own energy. But if he's in that low state, just stay away from him and focus (laughs) around yourself with all the things that light you up. So your experience does not actually need to be impacted. If we did not have the ability to focus and select what we focus on, and we do, if I tell you, look for all the red things in the room. And then you close your eyes and you remember them. You think about all the things that we saw were red. And then as your eyes are closed, I said, what was blue? You're probably not going to remember the blue stuff as much because you're able to focus Mm -hmm. on the red. If we weren't able to focus on that kind of ability at that level, then it would be like impossible. I'd say, you know, you're constantly sifting and sorting every single piece of information, but you're not. Our reality is based purely on our perception. So even if you don't even buy into the whole quantum mechanics level of this, you probably can say, you know, she's just ignoring the stuff. That's not happy. Yes, absolutely. That's the whole point because you're going to think that your life is happier. That's the whole point of what you're doing things in the first place for. So Stop thinking that everything has to be in alignment for you and realize it's just about your own perception. But as you have that perception, you're attracting, this is entangled particles, quantum physics. This is what you're attracting is other things of that vibrational frequency. The more you get more of what you think about. And if you're Mm -hmm. thinking on the good side, you're going to get good. And just, I think the easiest thing is to stop expecting the alignment, that positive frequency to come from the partner, come from within And it doesn't really matter what mood he's at. Obviously, long-term, you may, if you're totally a (laughs) long-term unmatch, you know, there might be a a breakup there. Not that you would, but like long-term unmatches of frequency will probably evolve away. And if you're at a high frequency, when you do that, you'll probably do it in a positive way. They may not, but you will, if you're at a high frequency and in the day-to-day, just stop paying attention. Does that make sense?
0: That's awesome. If Drew's listening to this, babe, you're really not that bad. I just think that we have different energies sometimes. (laughs) And that's normal. I mean, you're sharing a house and a space with somebody and we have very different working styles. And it's been so interesting, even in the few days that we both shared this space to work where I'm like, we definitely need separate time and separate activities and separate things because... I don't want to wake up and have breakfast and lunch and dinner and work out together and be workout partners. And, you know, it's like we need that separation. And I think that's a good thing. I think that it's super healthy. But no, I think that's awesome. And what a good reminder, too, that like we are in control of how we feel in our situations and just how we look at life, because I think that a lot of times We can make our own excuses for why things aren't working or what's going on. So what would you say to somebody that is just getting started or they have an idea, but they're not sure if they should go for it? What advice would you give them?
1: Ask their intuition. No one else is important. No one else. No, no consultant, no coach. No one else has the answer except for the answer within themselves. So to develop that ability and courage, really, to ask, because the ego is scared of asking. It doesn't want to leave. The ego fears uncertainty, and asking your intuition is in some ways actually opening yourself up to the idea that what you want or you think you want may not be what you deeply want at a level that's deeper than the ego, and that's terrifying For it. So it's scared to do that. But having the courage to just be open to seeing what you hear and then following it is actually the path to everything you deeply want, anyways. So that would be my suggestion.
0: Amazing. So where can everyone find you? I feel like I could talk to you for days. I cannot wait to read your book. And everyone needs to listen to Jess's podcast too. It is so enlightening. And even just watching you transition through this next phase and what you've been up to, it's so inspiring. So where can everybody find you?
1: Yeah, you can find me at the lively or jesslively.com and also obviously on iTunes and Stitcher for the show. So that'll probably be the best places to go.
0: Perfect. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for such an eye-opening episode. I am so thankful that you joined and how fun is it to be a guest on a podcast when you're a podcaster? I think it is such a relief sometimes to not be in charge of the conversation. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's really fun. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to Gold Digger. Dive into show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. You gold-digging dream chaser, you.